Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. The following is a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Time for the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan, your home for Ole Miss sports. To be a part of the show, email the show at brad.logan at loganmedianetwork.com or shoot him a DM on Twitter at bradlogancote. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. And now, from the vault, to the pavilion, to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss, all the time. Here's your host, Brad Logan. Today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. They're back and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of basketball season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So be sure and head on over to the updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Join and use the promo code BELIEVE50 to receive your bonus. That's B-L-E-A-V-50. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take the advantage of all of the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. That's betonline.ag. to be joined by John Cox and the Mississippi morning quarterback and John we've got a lot to talk about I know you were in Starkville for the Egg Bowl we were both there uh is Lane Kiffin going to be the coach at Ole Miss next year <laughs> uh, I don't know I mean I think <laughs> I think if Lane uh if Lane chooses to uh or number one I mean obviously I think the decision is up to Lane. I mean, the only job I think he's a real candidate for is Miami. And that's the job is not feel. I mean, it's not even vacant right now. I mean, and, and a lot has to happen. They don't have an athletic director at the University of Miami. Uh, so, and I don't know many people, well, I guess other than Hugh Freeze, who get hired without knowing who they're going to work for. But, um, you know, then, uh, so, I mean, yeah, if Miami comes open, I don't think they'll match resources with Ole Miss, but I don't think – I mean, I think there's a lure there, but, I mean, I don't know. I read Bruce Feldman, who is a great writer for The Athletic and knows a lot about Miami because he graduated from there. He says that if that job – he says that job's coming open. He says it's Mario Cristobal from Oregon gets the first shot. Second shot is Lane Kiffin's. But, uh, I mean, all that's fine. Like, I mean, all that's fine and dandy, but can they pay him $7 million a year not counting incentives? No, Miami cannot. No, they have said that. 
that they not about. So if Lane if Lane goes, he's leaving money on the table. Is what I'm getting he, at. He, I think absolutely. He's choosing fit. He's I mean, meaning, and when I say fit, meaning he wants to go home, so to speak. He still has his home in Boca. He wants to be near. He wants to be in Florida. Wants to get into that world. Wants to leave the SEC West. But look, man, I, I'll be honest, and, and maybe I'm seeing this through Mississippi colored eyes, but uh, I think Lane Kiffin's a competitor. I think he is a heck of a football coach. I think he likes the challenge. I see all of that about Florida. I, I mean, living in Florida and doing all of that. But uh, I mean, game day came to Oxford. It came. He was in. You know, he's in the news doing whatever. And I know he seems to make everywhere relevant. But game day is not coming to the Wake Forest Miami game. I don't care how good he is at the down there. And so, uh, and, and and he doesn't want to be known as a guy that ran from the SEC West, especially if they ever expand the playoffs. So. Uh, I don't know. Plus, he's is there is there a better fit for the University of Mississippi right now? Football, probably ever, than Lane Kiffin as their football coach. And it really makes Keith Carter smell like you know roses. By the way, the last Power Five coach that left the SEC for another program not named the SEC was James Franklin when he went to Penn State. I didn't know that stat. Connor O'Gara with Saturday Down South actually put that out, and that just blew me away. So if he does go to Miami, it'll be the first time that's happened in um, seven years. Well, get ready. There's going to be more. Just mark my words. Within the next two years, you're going to see more of those. But yeah. Uh, but, but, yeah. but no, I mean, no, no. Back back to your original point. I think it's something we need to talk about. Is there better? Has there been a better fit for Ole Miss? Now, you know, Ole Miss is not too far removed from the good old boy. We haven't heard that word lately. Uh, the good old boy network of the older men and. Uh, the the Pete Boone administration, you know, I think Ross Bjork had his faults, and I, I have called him out on it. But a lot of good he did is he weaned out a lot of that, raised a lot of money, did a lot with did a lot with facilities. But there was that faction of the good old boy network that really has kind of went away for the most part, at least from the public eye. And Lane Kiffin kind of beat watched the beat of his own drum, and now that younger generation is kind of taking heed, which. Uh, you talk about the stereotypical Ole Miss fan, you know, kind of fits in, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, I mean, if you if you weren't wearing a headset and he wasn't, you know, I mean, you could see, I mean, Lane Kiffin looks like people walking through the Grove, be bopping through, you know, getting ready to go to the, the game, and and I don't, and I'm not saying that in a pejorative sense at all. I mean, I, I just think. He, he kind of represents the new breed of football coach and that, that was out there. But, I mean, last night, and, I, and it was interesting to me, after the game, I could see, you know, when the when the egg came out and Ole Miss players were still in the field and they were dancing around. And, and Kiffin walked, and he was probably 10, 12 feet behind the players. You know, he wasn't in the middle of the celebration. He was kind of watching it on the field and looking. Then I heard, his, I heard an interview this morning. Someone had him. And he said that all he could sit there was, you know, just kind of marvel, and he was happy for the kids to experience that moment. And I, and I couldn't help, and I guess I've reached the age that I started getting, you know, deep and, you know, reflective. I just couldn't help but think, you know, two years before, that team lost because, I mean, who would have guessed in two years? That, I mean, that team, because of the Elijah Moore, the missed extra point, and all of that stuff. And here they are. They just won 10 games, and this, you know, this guy with a visor and a hoodie and, and baby blue shoes that, I mean, he's talking trash to the other player, other team at one point last night when he got into the rivalry, but not in a – I mean, he's just – he's the swaggiest coach in college football. 
there's no other way I know to put it. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, you know, he apologized at the postgame press conference. He says, yeah, man, I probably took it too far. I mean, we don't know what he said, but, I mean, he was talking. Yeah, he was. And he understands the rivalry, that's for sure. But, you oh, know, yeah. th- this was a program, John, that, you know, dating back to 2016, 17, when the whole investigation with the NCAA, the whole recruiting thing and the whole Hugh Freach thing, the whole – you know, reporter goes after the coach thing and then it's going to bury the program, this, that, and the other. We're a few years removed from that, and everyone thought that Ole Miss would, would never recover. Not only have they recovered, they may be going to the Sugar Bowl. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that, that tells you right there that it doesn't matter who you are. Pull yourself by your bootstrap. Get it right. And hire a Keith Carter, for goodness sakes. I mean, I, I blow him up on this program. Keith doesn't pay me a dime. But from an Ole Miss standpoint, that guy's he's legit. And if it weren't for him, I don't know where this athletic program would be. Oh, yeah. I mean, he, 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 he you know, I've read an interview probably within the last three weeks, or maybe some reporter just had something that said they, they polled, I don't know, what, 80 athletic directors in college football, and an overwhelming number said they would not hire Lane Kiffin. Just because they didn't want the, they said it was a feast or famine thing. They didn't want the, the, the kind of the, the, they weren't sure he had grown up, for lack of a better way to put it. Um, but Keith Carter, I mean, and, and it's a different world. I mean, Lane Kiffin was going to leave Florida Atlantic. It was either Miami, it was either Arkansas or Ole Miss. And Keith had the foresight and I guess the courage. I mean, he said he went and didn't even know him. Just went and sat down with him and, and said, all right, I, I've got our man. And convince him to come, and you know it's uh it's quite a turnaround. I I just couldn't help but think last night. You know, the entire two years ago, the uh, the Matt Luke's last year. I I'm glad I, I I now know I was not losing my mind because I was sitting there going, you know, I'm not a football offensive mastermind. I'm just a simple country lawyer from the Delta. But uh, you know, most teams start the guy who can do a lot of things at quarterback and bring in the situational guy who can only do one thing. Yet Ole Miss spent the entire year, and I'm not knocking John Rice, Ole Miss spent the entire year doing the complete opposite of that. Well, Kiffin and them come in, put in their own system. God love it's a great story. And, you know, uh, look look at the result. I mean, it's incredible. That 18 game was the loudest I've ever been in inside that stadium. I've been in that stadium a lot in Starkville. It's the loudest right. I've ever I've ever heard it. But who made the comeback that night? It was John it was uh it was Matt Corral. Made the long throw up the field. I don't know, it was like fifty yards, uh to touchdown. I mean it's he, he brought that team back. And to be at that same facility and to watch what we saw and we'll get to the game in a moment, but it's important to get through some of this. It's amazing to see the turnaround of not only this football team, but this athletic program in general. And to see it all come full circle, uh, it was a sight to see. It was an absolute sight to see because seeing Matt Corral do what he did and seeing Lane Kiffin across the way take the same players, John, a lot of the same players that were embarrassed two years ago, they won the game and they won it, they won it handily. You know, it was, it was amazing. I mean, you're happy for those kids, and we can talk later about Corral. I mean, it's a personal turnaround story that, I mean, he, God love him. Everyone in college football, college football players should uh, 
everyone should do, you know, believe in themselves and believe in the system and have somebody that believes in them, which he found and corralled and, or excuse me, Tiffany Levy. But, uh, you know, it was interesting to me to talk about the, before we even just talk about the game itself, but from an atmosphere standpoint, and yes, it was raining and cold and I may die of pneumonia one day because of it. But, uh, it was just great to be there. Other than that onside kick, which I think a Mississippi State player said something toward the Ole Miss sidelines, and yes, Lane did engage there for a second. But that was the least chippy egg bowl I've been I've seen in a while, and I've seen a lot of those games. And it was refreshing. It was just a good football game for, for a little while. I mean, even at the very beginning. I think you know, that's I'm why, honestly. If you'll remember, John, I don't remember. you. The closest game between these two, between now, or at least the most – evenly matched was probably 15 in Oxford. I don't remember a lot of it then. I mean, unless I'm missing something. That's right. It's almost like if the teams are really good, they play ball. If they're really bad, they've got nothing to lose and they just fight. Well, you know, I love the Thanksgiving Day uh, spotlight. I love all of that. But I want it to be about a football game and not that, hey, look, this guy's hiking his leg in the end zone. Everyone tune in all over the country to watch Mississippi act like idiots. And I mean, I I, I want to see that. I want to see, uh, I want to see you know to highlight these great players. You look in the NFL. I mean, we saw it last night. Ole Miss does the same thing at their games. You know, they highlight you know professional players that are on rosters. And you know, Mississippi State has a long list of players, as does Ole Miss, that are playing pro football right now. But a lot of the country, the only time they really get to watch these two teams play, I mean, it's been when, when we've been acting like idiots. Yeah. On New Year's on Thanksgiving Day, and it was great. It was just great to have a good football game and have people see. I mean, you know, Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin, and you know, you have the pirate and 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 the the, the smirky one over there. It's it's pretty fun. Yeah, I haven't seen the replay, uh, but I did hear that. You know, ESPN does their best to find the the Mississippi State person in overalls, um, ringing a cowbell and acting a fool, and they find the Ole Miss fan that's inebriated and you know, going crazy. It's so, I mean, the way I put that is, you know, people say, well, they're just stereotyping Mississippi, you know, fans. Well, you can find those same people in every stadium, everywhere across the country. So that doesn't play. Um, what, what I would hope that they saw was two really good football teams going after each other. And yeah, I think Mississippi state's a really good football team. I know they're seven and five now, and I know they're four and four in the conference. But if you take away the losses to LSU and Memphis, then, you know, it's a nine-win team. Uh, and I think Mississippi State is a team that wish they could go back and play a couple of those games. Probably don't want to go back and have to play A&M again. But the point I'm trying to make is, and we'll get to Mississippi State now, a couple of questions. Is Mike Leach a good fit in Starkville? And two, how good is this team – and is it a team that, that Mike Leach can build in Starkville? And number three, if he doesn't win the Egg Bowl next year, how much pressure is on Mike Leach? Oh, wow. Wow. Uh, I'll take that in reverse order. Uh, if he doesn't win the Egg Bowl next year in Oxford, there's a lot of pressure on Mike Leach. What Depending his, what, on, talk about his record, too. What's his record have to be? Uh, you mean next year or this year? Next year. This year's um, a, you know, know this year's a wash. Yeah, they they return a lot, and I and I do believe that the the air raid is a system that you have to get used to it. Before everybody gets on the same page and all of the things that they say, and I think the proofs and uh, the results. I mean, uh, look, 
the latter half of the year. I mean, they, they looked better. They looked okay last night on offense. Uh, but that the air raid is the system to me that, and I've been, let me say this, I've been watching Mike Leach since like 1992. I saw him at Valdosta State South Lake, uh, as the offensive coordinator. Been watching that air raid system. It does work. It puts up numbers. But, you know, it's, it's not easy to defend. It's easier to defend when you get to the inside the 20 and short yarded situations. You know, and, and the other downside part about the air raid, honestly speaking, is that, I mean, one sack or one negative play on a drive kills it because nothing is really going down the field doing a lot of sideways. So next year they'll be okay. I mean, the schedule's there, but still the SEC West. I mean, it's a meat grinder. When, when you know, Arkansas, I mean, everyone was good. LSU's the worst team in the West right now, and they're not going to be the worst team for long. And so uh, – I don't know. I mean, it's going to be tough for him. I mean, I think, I mean, eight and four, nine and three. I mean, that's a that's a good season. But I mean, it's going to be tough to do that just because four and four in the ACC is what you have to do, and then you have to win all your non conference games. And then, um, man, I'm telling you, you lose if Mike Leach loses that egg bowl next year, especially. And I don't know. We talk. I don't know what Ole Miss will have next year. I think, if you, you know, we don't even know if they're going to have the same head coach next year, except that. I think if he comes back, he's not. He's going to turn football recruiting on its ear through the transfer portal. But um, you know, if he loses to Ole Miss again next year. Leach, uh, he's going to have some people talking, especially if they're having still red zone problems. I, I mean, honestly, because if I talk to one, I've talked to a hundred Mississippi State fans in the last twenty-four hours who have said, you know, every now and then we have to run the ball, just just a little bit, fourth and one. Why don't we run the ball? And I'm like, man. I don't know if you have to ask that to the pirate over there. But uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I like Mike Leach. I think he's good for Mississippi State. But uh, I don't know. I'm interested to watch him recruit because, you know, they, they we'll see both teams have to recruit for the first time. But I'm not sure he uh, – he's never had a reputation as a super recruiter. And so it will be interesting to see what he brings in the start. What does Mississippi State's record have to be for Mike Leach to be able to lose the Egg Bowl next year and not create chaos? At least 8-4, and four, maybe 9-3. and 7-5, again, and you lose the Egg Bowl, there's, folks are going to start squirming. And you're right. We don't have we have no idea who – Ole Miss is losing everything on offense. Everybody's going to the NFL. Everyone's graduating. The defense, it, it's – it's going to be a, a, a first man in, first man out. Lane Kiffin's made that pretty obvious. There are two five-star wide receivers that are probably coming to Ole Miss. Jeff Levy right now is talking to a big-time quarterback in Louisiana. He's probably talking to the University of Louisiana Lafayette, too. I didn't just say that out loud. Um, he's going to fly out west and talk to another big-time quarterback. There's going to be transfers coming in on the defensive side of the ball. It's just going to be a head-scratcher for Ole Miss fans because you have no idea. And I don't know how much stock you, you can even put on signing day. They may not sign but five or six players because they're going to be so heavy in the portal. Is that going to play? Yeah. Is that going to play with the Ole Miss fan base? I guess if you go to the Sugar Bowl and win ten games, who gives a flip what you do? You know, you know my favorite things, and, and, and Lane said this last night at the press conference, uh, post game, he he said a call, he did talk about transfers, but 
at one point he referred to it as free agency. And that, you know, like in the NFL, that, you know, he said something like, you know, brought in and had some good six year guys and then free agency. And, uh, I mean, that's what it's becoming. And, and credit, I guess, to, uh, Lane for recognizing that. I mean, when Alabama is, is bringing in transfers to the portal, then that lets you know that that's a real thing. And, you know, think about it from a coaching perspective. Do I want a high school kid who's 18 I have to develop and I'm not sure if he's going to, re- you know, he played at, I don't know, some 4A school in Tennessee. Is that going to translate into the SEC? Or am I going to go watch a kid that's played three years of college football that I know can play college football? And so, you know, they get them in there and I don't know. Like you said, I don't think Ole Miss will sign very many. I think they'll sign some, obviously. But then uh, you bring in your needs, you kind of plug and play. And uh, it it'll be, it's gonna be quite interesting because I think that system, maybe they can they think they can bring it in, run it that way, and get them to merge and play from that. And Ole Miss's schedule, I'll say this, and I've seen both teams' schedules, both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Ole Miss's schedule is a heck of a lot more favorable. Ole Miss is staring 6-0 in the face next year. Yeah. coming into that season. So uh, that'll get quite interesting. But, you know, I, I back to the Leafs, though. I, I think if Ole Miss continues, is 6-0 and and starts finding, you know, and Kiffin's there doing Kiffin-like things, I mean, no one gets – no one sells the brand better than Lane Kiffin on a national level. And, I mean, he's, he's a genius at it. He could sell – he could sell – he's become the mayor of Oxford. I mean, he, it's incredible what he can do with social media and his following. He knows it. He's very well aware of what he's doing. And so, uh, you know, Ole Miss starts fast, and they're doing – and Kip and Seal there, and they're getting all the love. And, you know, Mississippi State's having a good season, but they're not 6-0 and with him. Um, man, that – and losing the egg roll, I'm telling you, they just that, – that's not a good recipe for success. But, they, you know, what do I know? I mean, I think people get antsy at that one. Just because you brought it up, we'll run through it. Open the season hosting Troy, hosting Central Arkansas, on the road at Georgia Tech in Atlanta, who's terrible, home against Tulsa, home against Kentucky, at Vanderbilt. Ole Miss should start 6-0 and with a pulse. Then of, co- then, of course, you've got Auburn on Auburn at home, LSU on the road, A&M on the road, Alabama at home at Arkansas, and then home against State. I mean – it's a very attainable schedule for Ole Miss. Whoever put that together, I mean, Keith puts that together, he continues to be a genius. Because, I mean, that that reminded me, I think when I was a kid, Billy Brewer used to start 4-0 and every year. Yeah. And then it would be 4-4 four and four by the time we got Halloween. But, but you know, that's, that's a very favorable schedule. And, I mean, if Ole Miss finishes out a bowl with a bowl win – I mean, how many? That's that's eleven and two. But what going back to last year? What's what's 14, Kiffin's record? Since right now, it's fourteen and three. And by the way, Lane Kiffin, he is the all-time winningest coach at Ole Miss since Johnny Vault and winning percentage, and he's currently number five all-time at Ole Miss. I mean, well, so that's just the way it is. I, in, in, in seventeen games, he, in the last seventeen games, he's fourteen and three. If they start off six and zero, I mean. I'm not sure Twitter could handle us a 20 and three lane Kiffin run. <laughs> uh, let's look at Mississippi State real quick. Open up with Memphis and Starfall. 
I mean, okay. I, I don't know what to say to that. Go Stay on. To go on the road and face Arizona in Tucson. I mean, I have no idea. Other than the Wildcats, I have no idea about Arizona. I, I think they're terrible. So, you know, I, I think State will win that. And Lincoln Riley, head coach at LSU, will host Mississippi State the third week. Um, so LSU, okay. Come home to face Bowling Green, home against Texas A&M, and then home against Arkansas. It's a little three-game stretch there. That Bowling Green's game just screams last-second win for Mississippi State. On the road at Kentucky, on the road at Alabama, Auburn at home, on at home against Georgia, East Tennessee State, and Ole Miss. Another kind of, you know, it's not terrible. There, there's some wins there. I mean, you don't get the gimme out of the SEC like Ole Miss does with Vanderbilt. You swap out Vandy for Georgia, which stinks. You know, Brian Harson. I don't know what's going on at Auburn. So, anyway, that's something to, to, to talk about down the road. But So, Mississippi State, uh, I think I'm with you. If they lose the Egg Bowl again, he has to be 9-3. and three. I mean, yeah. he's, he's got to come into the Egg Bowl 9-2. And lose, or you know, all heck's going to break loose in Starfall because they're already yes. clamoring. Seven, seven and five doesn't work. It's well, six and six works if you beat Ole Miss. Yeah, seven and five won't work if you lose to Ole Miss. Yes, and if if, if Kiffin's if if Kiffin's there and he's you know tweeting Oprah, and Oprah's tweeting him back, and it's. And they're and even an eight and four Ole Miss team with with an Egg Bowl win. Um, there's some folks really not liking life in Starkville at that point. Mississippi State catches uh, those touchdowns in the first half. Is it a different game? Uh, yeah, probably. I think I they mean, I think they win. I don't know. If they I don't know win, if they win, but I'm. I mean, it, it's very uncomfortable for Ole Miss. Yeah, I mean. You know, a lot's been made. I, I keep hearing people say the drive that, you know, what set apart the game last night was Ole Miss's stop coming out of the locker room and then scoring and make it 17-6, I guess. And, yeah. and I agree with that from a, you know, I'm a tennis guy. Ole Miss held, broke serve and then held serve and then never had to look back. But, you know, to me, the drive of the game actually was the, uh, when Ole Miss scored their first touchdown, to make it uh, ten to six, because that looked like the Ole Miss offense. Snoop Connor actually pulverized a couple of people to get into the end zone. That's when and State. So, that's uh, when State kicked the two field goals. One of those should have been. It should have been ten to nothing at least. Yes. But anyway, it was six to nothing, and then Ole Miss drives down. Ole Miss should have scored the. Well, look, there should have been a lot of should have, could have, would have. But Ole Miss could have scored the opening drive of the game. But credit Mississippi State's defense, they didn't. So it's six to three. I'm with you. That was a big drive. Ole Miss goes the length of the field. Instead of ten to nothing, it is ten to six. Ole Miss, and the game is completely different at that point because State has left yeah. a lot of points on the board. But, but, but you know, even but as far as the is it? I mean, is it a different game they win? The also thing that makes me hesitant about that is, I mean, honestly speaking, coming out of the locker room in the second half, the difference in that game was Ole Miss adjusted and Mississippi State didn't. And that, that I mean, I, I mean, in all seriousness, Ole Miss ran the same three plays in the second half, the entire half. They did. And, 
and and Mississippi State never adjusted. They had Ole Miss played this. It's pure basketball. They played three on two, and they ran Drummond out into the flats and played three on two with them over and over. Again. And it legitimately, John, it was the same play. It was. It the was the same play. And 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 Miss and Mississippi State never adjusted. And on defense, you know, Ole Miss, you know, made made big play after big play. But I mean, they just they. I, I hate the term bend but don't break. It drives. That's me what it ball. is, John. That is what that defense. I have said it a thousand times, but that is exactly what they do. That they do, and it works. And Ole Miss just, but but all Ole Miss did was tackle. They kept giving up those slip screens. They started tackling it, and and you know, and at that point, you know, Mike didn't go to the ninth play on his play sheet, and Kiffin didn't have to go past play, or Levy didn't have to go past play two. I mean, you know, and so, you know, I don't know if State would have won if they had scored at the end of the half. It would have been a different ball game. I think if State had – forget the uh, forget the touchdowns at the end of the half and all that and missing field goal, yeah, that's points. But I think the three and out in the first – at the first drive of the second half was really – that's when that you started worrying from the offense because, you know, State up until that point had never punted. And, and then no, I mean, all of a sudden, well, they also went for it on fourth down twice and didn't get it because of sacks. One by Robinson and one by uh, Williams. That's that's right. And uh, speaking of fourth downs, that first down, that fourth first, the first fourth down call from the Rebels in midfield, the first drive. I didn't understand uh, that. I mean, I mean, did you understand that at all? I, I mean, think, it's kind of no man's land, but I mean, that early. I mean, there, yeah, I, I didn't understand that. I didn't understand the one in the fourth quarter. But, if, you know, by the way, yeah. I, I'm not absolving the decision i mean it's i mean they went for it and it was obviously not a good decision but if matt keeps it i think he scores a touchdown i mean oh, yeah. there was I, nobody there yeah absolutely and 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 you know I, and, and lane blaine or blaine mentioned the, the cowbells that he said that uh they missed a i guess the if you watch that the guard never fires off for Ole Miss. he stood there and the guy ran right by him <laughs> yeah so i don't think he i don't think he heard anything it, and, and maybe that's true it was loud Real quick, real quick, and, and you know we're we're being straight up here. This is this this podcast we do is just kind of two dudes talking about football. But why are the cowbells legal? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm not I'm not throwing shade at my state friends, and I know people are listening. And but but I generally just wanted to have an open dialogue here. Why are they legal and other things are not? I I, I just Larry I, was on yeah, the committee. I guess so. That's exactly why. I mean, you know, it makes – I mean, because under that premise, everyone could bring a cowbell into every stadium and ring them, you know, as long as they stop or whatever the center puts his hand on the wall. But I but guess no, – they, they put a caveat in there. You know, Mississippi State allows – Right. You know, they give them the, they give them an allotment to allow that. I, because Larry was on the uh, committee. I mean, he's a powerful yeah. man. And, I, and more power to him. I mean, he took up for his school. But uh, the – the best, uh, the best line I heard that was, uh, and it was God love Kiffin having to explain them. Uh, and when he he asked why they were legal, and somebody told him, "Well, you know, you're not. You, they're supposed to stop. They have to ring responsibly." And without even blinking, he said, uh, "Well, I think they weren't supposed to throw batteries at me or the golf balls at me at Tennessee, but they managed yeah. to do that too." So, you know, uh, I don't know. They, I tell you what, the it's loud. I really don't know how you could possibly simulate that, and they do not stop when the ball is uh, when the when the uh, it goes from a ten to about a six. 
it yeah, does it does decrease. But when they when those bells get going, I cannot. All right, Tyler Comas with two four seven was sitting. I kid you not, six inches from me. I mean, he, we were we were, were packed in there. I had to like lean over, and he had to read my lips because he couldn't understand what I was saying. That's how loud it was. But, but they can the bells can begin again once the play begins, obviously. Right. Because they would snap the ball, and then the bells would just get just as loud. And see, and once like, you snap it, there is no communication with your teammates. So. Like, pick up so-and-so. What I mean, there there is none. So, um, at the end of the day, I, I thought, you know, John, this, this game came down to the line of scrimmage. And poor Scott Lashley is probably having nightmares about Sam Williams. Now, to be fair, he whipped Charles Cross a couple times, too. So, it's not on Scott Lashley. They had a hard time blocking them. They couldn't block – Mark Robinson, they couldn't block Chance Campbell all night. And I thought Ole Miss, you know, I texted you at one point and said, are they going to allow Will Rogers to sit in that pocket and destroy him because Ole Miss was rushing two and three people and yeah. dropping the rest? I mean, sometimes they they only rush two people. And then the first time I said that, here comes Mark Robinson, and he almost killed um, the quarterback for Mississippi State. And I don't know that Will Rogers was the same after that. If you'll notice, yeah. he was not the same quarterback after Mark Robinson hit him in the first quarter. Anyway, the point of the question was, was number, we'll get to that in a second. The point of the question was, you know, I think Ole Miss fans get frustrated when, when they drop so many in coverage and then it's just it's design blitzed. And then all of a sudden, here they come. But anyway, that and then also, I didn't think Will Rogers, he was a little different after that. You know, he, he threw like 20 incompletions, which, I mean, when you throw 661 times, it's not really that bad. But, uh, you know, he threw, I think he threw 20 incompletions. Even Leach mentioned that he thought he was less accurate than he had been. But I'm not, I'm not so sure he was, was hurt. If you'll remember. Yeah, well, he was holding yeah. the ball. Like, it wasn't getting out of his hands. When the air raid's cooking, he's catching and firing. I mean, it's impossible to sack when they're like that, because he's throwing to space. He's throwing where guys are open. And he was kind of holding it in a way. He was holding it because he didn't have anywhere to throw it. You know, right. the Ole Miss defensive backs, I mean, A.J. Finley, talk about an improved dude. Dean Leonard, DeAndre Prince played almost every play. The secondary has played their tails off the last couple of games. And, and you know, I don't think they're getting the credit they deserve because Will Rogers, just quite frankly, Malik Heath, I, I expected him to, have, to be a burner, to go over the top. A couple of times, and he, I think, he had one catch for five yards, and so it just—I think the secondary just has not got the credit they deserve. And and they they played great, you know. Ninety percent of of sacks are usually because of coverage. But the, the amazing thing to me about Ole Miss, the way they were getting to it, and and just all year in that system, that scheme of the three-two, what's that six, uh, is a. Uh, is that say someone like Sam Williams has a he cannot rush to the inside because there's that's where the help is. No, he has to go outside. If he goes he inside, he's getting blocked by four people. Right. So he goes outside. Other teams know he has to go outside. And they still can't block. He either has to go through you or go out to the yeah. outside, and he still gets to the quarterback. So not right. And they time blitz as well. I mean. 
they, you saw Rob, you mentioned Mark Robinson's blitz. I mean, you know, they, they delayed that a little bit and brought him. And then a couple times they snuck Otis Reese up. You know who did? They did not, you know, Ole Miss did not blitz Jake Springer that I can count once last night. He played basically free safety. Yeah, night. he did. And I, a lot of that is out of the respect for Mississippi State and with Rodgers. They really and, did a great but, job in coverage because nobody has really uh, opened up coverage like Ole Miss did against Rodgers and respected it that much. I mean, it, he just had a hard time getting it to anybody because it was so hard to get open. I mean, you had four, three or four receivers going to get six defensive backs. And that's yeah. hard to do. And even even then, I mean, he was putting it on the money sometimes and they were just weren't they were just dropping the ball. That's right. And well what with those defensive backs where the credit should be given to Ole Miss's defense on that is that when he did drop it off to, you know, they tackled Dylan well. yeah. the run, they came up and tackled. They did. So I mean, many, so many times in years past, you know, John, we've seen this defense one on one. Oh, they just, just whiff. You know, they didn't do that. They haven't right. done that. So, I mean, that that was a, I mean, it's a great effort. I mean, that, you know, when he's sitting, but I agree. Once he got was hit one time, Rogers looked, he he was visibly less comfortable in the pocket, and 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 patted the ball and. You know, to the point that one time, and it may have been, I think the game was actually out of reach by then, but he could have run for at least 20 yards and maybe a touchdown when he was on the right side of the field. And he saw Otis Reese and maybe Finley in that direction, and he pulled up and threw the ball. I mean, he, he just threw it away. And and I was like, you know, he, uh, he is not the same quarterback he was in the first quarter. I, he won't admit this. But I think he got a little frustrated. I think he got frustrated that his receivers were dropping balls. There were some alligator arms out there. And I think he just got frustrated at, you know, the situation. And I do think there might have been some type of injury. But Mississippi State had a heck of a year. They just didn't play very well. Ole Miss outplayed them. And uh, you know what? They didn't get the benefit of some calls. Ole Miss didn't get the benefit of some calls. You know, we look back at – a couple of plays, Ole Miss gets flagged for a face mask when it wasn't even close. The holding foul on Jaron Ely was a joke. Uh, the one that, that nullified the 45-yard Matt Crow run. On the flip side, Ole Miss got away with some holds on the corners uh, that freed up Dontero Drummond, that freed up Jaron Ely around the corner. So, I mean, there were their calls went both ways. And the officiating had nothing to do with this game. Um, the, 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 you know, I will say this about officiating. The only call that absolutely infuriated me last night was when the uh, the side judge crow hopped into the the targeting call to throw it. Yeah, it wasn't close. Targeting. He was the only one that threw his threw the flag too. And and in like the quickest review ever. I, I was about to say Ken Williamson was under the hat for maybe ten seconds. I was like, yeah, wait, have they already reviewed this? Yeah, you had to believe that the replay official literally, as soon as he put the headset on, just man, go it's back. Not no, just go, just stop, just go. It's stupid. And Tell him so, to put his flag back in his pocket. And then, of course, they did make the correct call for Mark Ross on the target on possibly the dumbest hit ever. The kid was going down anyway. And yeah, and he just lowers <laughs> his boom. Yeah, he's no Mac Brown though. Mac Brown could have got a targeting call. He should have got a targeting call, and <laughs> the next time on a kickoff. When he goes out of the back of the end zone, he's pushing people as he's going off the field. The kicker. Yeah. I was, saw the video was, of that. He was chippy last night, to use one of my favorite words. I'm telling you. He did get called out by Pat McAfee, though. That's uh, Pat McAfee called what, his mouth and said, hey, check out this kicker from Ole Miss. That's awesome. Yeah. 
the kick, the hit on the kickoff, even though it was a, a, a my phone blew up from people in the stadium going, and they were all Mississippi State fans that all said, "That's a that's a that's a that's a target," and I literally yes. had the same response to everyone. I said, "That's our that's the kicker." But but he brought the boom though, and it was he target. Did. He should have been ejected, and Ole Miss would have had. Well, I guess the uh, the dude Kale Nation, who by the way, good for Kale Nation. Absolutely thrown in the fire, and he came out and just crushed that field goal. I mean, it, at the time, it was a big deal. And so, you know, it's, Ole Miss has had so many field goal issues in Starkville. To come out and to have, you know, I know it's just one kick, but it, it's, a, it's a huge kick. And then Mississippi State, I thought, you know, McLeod did great on his first two kicks, and then he misses the other two. But, I mean, you, you weren't going to win that game kicking field goals. No, and I mean – You were going to win you know, that game mixing it up. You know, Ole Miss – I think 11 of 18 on third down, Mississippi State 4 of 14. Tell the tape, man. 5 of 5 in the red zone. Ole Miss was 5 of 5. Four touchdowns. That's how you win. When when they announced that uh, Kell Nation was on for the field goal or whatever, my 14-year-old son looked at me and asked me whether Kell Nation was a health health food store. But, uh, you know, know, credit to him. I mean, but the thing was, Ole Miss was, again, to be in the don't break, but they were holding Mississippi State to field goals. And it was to the point that a man in the stands, that when Ole Miss went up 17-6, to six, someone in the stands who looks, you know, said kind of to no one in particular, well, you know, at Mississippi State's rate, they're in this thing. They kick five more field goals. And so, uh, you know. And I'm in the press box talking to Tyler. I don't care if it's 35-3. to three, State's still in it. I mean, they came yeah. back 28-3. to three. Down twenty-eight to three and won like forty-eight to thirty-one or so. I mean, so, I mean, at no point should Ole Miss fans have been happy until the final bell sounds because every Ole Miss fan was in there. Yep, they're going to score, kick the field goal. I mean, I'm sorry, they're going to score, kick their supporter, go for two, get it, get the onside kick. They're going to go down and score and win the game thirty, um, thirty-five to thirty-four or whatever. Oh, yeah. thirty-four I to thirty-one or whatever. I did math that way midway through the game. But, but it didn't happen, yeah. you know, and I think, you know, that's one thing that Ole Miss fans uh, are going to have to understand is that the defense is, is good. It, it's okay to say that now. You know, you don't have to use words like I discipline and, you know, stay in your gap or just stare at the jumbotron after every play and give up a massive amount of yards. It's a different day. And Ole Miss yeah, wins the game 31-21, to 21, and uh, it was a game in which Ole Miss – uh, played well on the road. And Mississippi State, you know, we'll see what happens to Mississippi State down the road. How many do you think Mississippi State would take to the Texas Bowl, the Belk Bowl, the Liberty Bowl or something? No, I think they'd draw the Liberty Bowl. I think they'll draw it on my road. State fan base has uh, been pretty loyal to them. Right. Um, I mean, I, I, and I think, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that Leach's comments in the post game. I mean, he, he talked about uh, his team and what they had coming back. And I mean, he he gave credit to Ole Miss and said, you know, they had a bunch of guys that have been there a while. Their quarterback's a veteran, and you know that's yeah, something that's we true. can build on. These guys are coming back. State fan base is excited about that. I mean, that's all everyone's told me is, you know, just get ready. We're going, you know, we're going to run, you know, we're going to run the SIP for about three years because of you know all these young guys. So I think they'll draw well. Yeah, and I think that's that's definitely interesting because I think. 
there are a couple different ways you can look at recruiting. And State is doing really well recruiting the state of Mississippi and recruiting high school players. Uh, Ole Miss goes to the Sugar Bowl over under 35,000 people. <laughs> oh, yeah. They, they'll, they'll, I just want to play Oklahoma State again. So, uh, you know, but I think they'll, they'll, they'll pack it out yeah. wherever they go. Uh, even, you know, well, I mean, I, I, anywhere. I think Ole Miss fans will draw them. I don't know about it. One thing yeah. Pretty- I mean, you know, I know Atlanta's a decent trip, but they may draw a lot to the game. But there's just nothing to do in downtown Atlanta. And in, in downtown Atlanta, Buckhead has gotten a bad rap over the last, what, couple of years. So it just feels like the destination point would be New Orleans. And it feels like 50,000 Ole Miss fans would go down there and maybe 30 go to the game. So what, what's the scenario that takes Ole Miss to the Fiesta Bowl? I don't Where know. I don't know. And, and you, you have to wonder if Keith may be secretly – trying to get out of the Peach Bowl because of what we talked about and Ole Miss may not take a ton of folks. I know this sounds crazy, John. I think Ole Miss may take as many, probably not as many, but I think the Ole Miss would take a really good crowd just because it's a new bowl. It's right. in Phoenix. It's, it's it's an opportunity. It's a destination. And, you know, Atlanta's not really a destination for tourism. Um, so, I mean, I, I just think that the Fiesta is not completely out. Uh, obviously, the only way to get to the Sugar Bowl is for Alabama to make the college football playoff. That means Alabama needs to win the next two. And, John, I don't know if Alabama is really good enough to beat Georgia right now. Um, I don't know. So, we'll see. Uh, you know, it's it's another Nick Saban versus his protege. Those numbers have really been in, you know, Saban's favor. Um. Yeah, I mean, I was talking to somebody today so that I would – they were they were asking about who an opponent would be, and you know, we went through all the scenarios. And I said, "Well, I don't know Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. You know, the the foot college football fan in me would love to see Notre Dame at all." I was just about to say, the only way that, that that Atlanta blows up is if Notre Dame and Ole Miss play in the Peach Bowl. Thirty thirty five thousand. Ole Miss fans would go to the Peach Bowl to see Notre Dame. I, I mean, that would be I, fun to see. Be incredible. But who knows? So I'm holding out hope for either Notre Dame and Atlanta. But all jokes aside, I would love to go to New Orleans to the Sugar Bowl, just oh, because. Yeah. And yeah, I think I think Mississippi State. Honestly, we had uh, Brian Haydad on the show, and he said he thinks at that point. It was pre-egg bowl, so he said if if state loses, he thinks they're going to the Texas Bowl. I'm not sure what city that's in, but Houston. Okay, I don't think that's a new bowl game. So that's that's an opportunity for There's Mississippi State. Tie-in there. It yeah. is, yeah. I think they're doing away with the uh, some bowl, maybe the. There's some bowl. I don't know if it's is it the Belt Bowl. Do they do away with that? The Belt Bowl is in North Carolina. Is it gone? Is that the is that the Manage Bowl now? That is now yes the Duke. That's the Duke. Man, yeah. All I can That's, think about is that dude on game day eating that Manage jug. I, I, I just uh, for the life of me. Well, I mean, you know, it it's a far cry from growing up, and you're not that much younger than I am. But you know, growing up, it seemed like no matter who. What bowl it was, Ole Miss or Mississippi State had to play Air Force. 
<laughs> yeah. And so, you know, now I guess it's Oklahoma State is the permanent opponent. And so, um, you know, I just want to see new teams. I think it's fun. I think it's good for the state. It's good for exposure. Good for the kids. Blah, blah, blah. It's good for the fan base. I mean, if you tell – I don't care if they're playing the Texas Bowl. If, 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 tech, if Mississippi State's playing a good opponent, they'll go out there. Yeah. Support that. Yeah. So – both those teams, uh, they're going bowling. And uh, I think it's good for the state of Mississippi, without question. And, you know, Jackson State, my goodness, they're playing in the conference championship in Jackson. I saw a picture, wow. a video of that stadium. John, I have not seen that stadium packed since 1990 when Ole Miss and State played. Yeah, that was incredible. And Dion's brought, uh, you know. He's a new coach Dion's at SMU, Evans. isn't he? Yeah, I was going to say, Dion is second only to Lane Kiffin when it comes to college openings. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, you know it's fun to have the excitement. He uh, he certainly brings a brand, and, and he I mentioned earlier that Kiffin's really is well aware of his brand. Coach Prime is well aware of his brand too, and he's it's good for the state, it's good yeah. for his school, it's good for him. So full power to him. John, we'll talk to you soon. Um, from Ole Miss fans, they hope it's not because of a coaching search. <laughs> we'll know the bowl destination soon. We'll talk next week and break down the bowls. Uh, I think there's a good chance we know where everybody's headed anyway. At least we don't know who the opponent is. But you look at somewhere like a Liberty, that just really feels like Arkansas. Uh, Music City feels like Kentucky. Duke's Mayo Bowl feels like a mm, South Carolina maybe. Um, the Birmingham Bowl feels like Florida. Outback. Uh, you've got Texas A&M maybe, Citrus yeah. A&M maybe. So, well, yeah, LSU, if they make a bowl, then they're maybe there and pop it around the Liberty or something. So it'll be interesting to see. Uh, there's so many bowl games. Everybody gets a chance to play. And uh, we'll break everything down next week. John, we appreciate it. Talk to you next yeah. week. Absolutely. Listening to the Believe in Ole Miss podcast with your host, Brad Logan. Download the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe, rate, and leave a review online. Be sure and check us out on Twitter at Brad Logan COTE and at Believe Podcasts, as well as Facebook, Brad Logan Media. From the vault to the pavilion to Swayze Field, it's all Ole Miss all the time. This has been the Believe in Ole Miss podcast, a presentation of the Believe Podcast Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.